Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast, proudly brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers at uh, 707 Walnut in Philadelphia, always at LLPavorsky.com. Oh, where Rights Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. I am Spike Eskin, along with uh, another person who wasn't invited to Pablo Torre's wedding. That is Liberty Baller's own Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. Hey, buddy. We're, this podcast, we, last week we had Pablo on. This week we will rip Pablo to shreds. <laughs> for not inviting us to his wedding and if you said i I normally wouldn't include somebody's personal life in this but you said he was he was tweeting about it so that makes it uh public domain i think yes it's it's kosher we can move on congratulations to pablo tori on getting married uh and shame on him for not inviting us i mean we all we're all intertwined in this whole same this process thing and i feel like uh that should have garnered us invites. but Yeah, it's a real slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. Really, really, really disrespectful. But what can you do? So the podcast – you know, it's funny. We'll get to this in a second when we get to the iTunes reviews. But somebody asked why we mention where the po- – where why I mentioned where the podcast is available at the beginning of the podcast because if you're listening to it, then you know where the podcast is available, which I thought was a fair question, I guess. But the the podcast is available on sure. iTunes. Yeah, I guess so. On iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and Google Play Music. And we, we love your iTunes reviews. So why do I do it? Well, because actually I, I feel like there are some people, believe it or not, more than you would think, that actually listen on the website, that just stream it on the website. And mm-hmm. I think – Every day, you know, podcasting is a regular thing to us, but to people are learning about it every day. So I feel like maybe people don't know that it's available on their favorite podcast app. So that's why I mention it at the top. We're educating people. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So why don't we pick out? Well, uh, not we pick out, but um, but Philip picked out our best iTunes review of the week. Um, this comes from uh, Josh Huff, and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gives it five stars, and the subject line is what question mark? Uh, I might just I might have re- just reviewed this like six times. I'm not sure. Either way, this is an okay listen. Mike sounds like Ruben Amaro Jr. The barking dog is the best pet of this best part of this pod, and dogs are cool. So there you go. That garnered us five stars. I sound like Ruben Amaro Jr. Yeah, now I've heard Ruben Amaro Jr. a lot on the phone because he was a regular guest at WIP, and I don't think you sound like him. So, okay. so not I that feel that's like a I'm, negative. I feel like I'm definitely not as gruff as he is. He's not a friendly man. Well, I feel like we are uh, friendly to each other. Yeah, actually, he was pretty friendly uh, as a radio guest. He was actually a really good, affable, I thought – radio guest and he seemed more awake than you normally do so i don't (laughs) maybe that's it yeah i don't know so thank you for that review we love itunes reviews they help and we are not sure why so uh any other i'm trying to think any other uh stuff at the top i don't think so we have a lot to talk about this week given that the sixers have played have they played all their games between then and now i'm trying to remember when was the First game? Did we have the first game to talk about? Yeah. We, oh, we, talked we about, did. We talked about a couple games. Yeah, couple but games. but we had uh, we had Pablo on, so we weren't able yeah. to talk a lot about it. Okay, so obviously we'll this talk. This is a hard basketball. 
podcast. Yeah, yeah. This is if you've been waiting Nothing but the hits. Right. If you've been waiting for a podcast that's just me and Mike talking about the Sixers as if we've robbed you of that over the last several years, here this one is just going to be us opining about the Sixers. Yeah, unless some uh separate argument comes in about yes. paying college athletes or something and we get derailed. But aside yeah. from that, mm-hmm. just the Sixers. Just the Sixers, yeah, until it's not about the Sixers, as you pointed yeah. out. So we'll talk about the the uh, the sort of half Nerlens Noel trade rumor. We'll talk yeah. about the Jeremy Grant trade itself. We will talk about the play of each individual Sixer that we find intriguing. Uh, there was some Jerry Colangelo news and a funny Jerry Colangelo quote this week that I would like to get your thoughts on. And I think, uh, obviously, I think we have to start well, I mean, you can tell me if you if you disagree, but we we are in a familiar familiar position of being O and something in November, while the fan base widely criticizes Brett Brown's uh, execution or coaching at the end of games. And last night's game against the Cavs restoked that fire, and here we are. So, you know, I, before we talk about any of the individual players, I thought that it would be smart for us to talk about last night's finish and the sort of the Brett Brown narrative because it seems like the lead story in Sixers land this morning. Yeah. Um, look, I think I think Max Rappaport tweeted it and I agree. They lost by one to the Cavs and like with a full Cavs roster. I think when they when they beat them a couple years ago, the game I was at, I think you were there too. Yes. Um, I, I watched it with uh, no, a former LeBron hater – uh, Scott Rabb. I remember That's being right. impressed. Right. Yeah, and I was there with uh, Tanner and my friend Brian, and uh, that was a Tony Roten high off the backboard yep. lefty winner. It was great, great yep. game. Um, that they didn't have LeBron that game, I believe. Right? They not only play. did they not have LeBron, they didn't have Kyrie Irving. I don't think they they had they might have had Love, but I don't think they had Love, and I don't think they had Dion Waiters. I think actually the only guy that played was Love. The only guy of the big three that played was Love. So and Waiters, yeah. Left. yeah. So there weren't a lot of good Cavs playing that game. Um. So the fact that like they had a full roster and. They play good basketball. I mean, the Cavs had a couple stretches when they just took over and got hot and had open looks. And that just is going to happen when you're playing against one of the two best teams in the league. But, I mean, they looked really good. They fought back a bunch of times. I think when you look at, obviously the ending leaves a horrible taste in your mouth. And the Sixers have, and it's not just Brett for my entire life, have never won uh, a crunch time game, I'm pretty sure. Or at least executed a play in crunch time that looked good if you remember all of the lou williams dribbling the air out of the ball fade away 27 footers yeah it it, it's it it stands to reason that when the game tightens up and the defense tightens up and they start going after things and they start pressing there's going to be less avenues to make to make those plays and that's just going to come with experience and and knowing your teammates and and just being better i i think it's bullshit that Brett Brown ran the same play. I don't agree with what he ran, but I think that it's I weigh more heavily that they've they've been close with this team in Joel Embiid's first few games of in two years. No Ben Simmons, uh, no Nerlens, and whatever half speed Jaleel. They've come very close to winning against the Cavs. 
I know you don't like the Thunder, but the Thunder and uh, the Magic are bad. But those teams getting close and playing them tough, obviously with like a win. But I think that's more important than like folding at the end of the game when when a good defense is starting to press. What do you think? I'm not being hot takey here at all. I'm, I I feel like I have uh, I've defended that I've I have not participated in the what is Brown Brett Brown doing storyline that believe it or not if you're just and I know there there are new people you know uh, this year that weren't there last year and the year before this is not like a new thing this is a, a a couple year old thing and I've never really participated because their talent level is so low and their players have been changing so often that it it's tough to um, it's really tough to judge him in that and we've always given him a lot of credit for keeping the team together and trying hard and all of those other things aside from the end of game execution stuff um, and I will also say that you know to your point about it getting harder to navigate it's almost like uh, especially, you know, people talking about it, getting getting the ball to, you know, why doesn't Embiid get the ball, get the ball to Embiid, blah, blah, blah. Getting the ball to the post in crunch time is sort of like in football, like a red zone, like a play from the three where you have to pass, you know, yeah. and there's just, there's not as much, they're just going to, and especially with the Sixers who don't have a lot of shooters on the team, they're, it, they're going to make it almost impossible to get to him and then they're going to collapse on him and he's not really very good at passing out of that double team stuff. You no, know he's I mean? not. And he's, yes, he gets, to, he gets very blindsided by that when yeah. they come up on And, and for what it's worth, you know, there were people complaining, it was the Orlando game. Well, why did you run pick and roll with Embiid in the final play? Why didn't you just give it to him in the post? Well, he turned it over in the post the play before, and he turned it over. You know, he he hasn't been – he's been great this year, and we'll talk about it, but he hasn't been like the best crunch time guy ever. You know, I mean that his position is is a tough one to navigate for, for crunch time is I guess what I would say. All that said, and you're right in that it's great that they're close and, you know, they played uh, – and I'll tell you, saying one of the two best teams, I mean, I think right this second they're the best team in the NBA. When when they are – when they are on a roll, they are frightening. I mean, they are, they are, they seem better than last year, even. They are, they yeah. all know where they should be, you know, uh, they, they look very, very good. But yeah. the, the problem is, for me, is that it's been like a couple years of this. And, sure. you know, you would just think that accidentally and through trial and error, and I know that the players have changed, you know, when you look at the, the court, there's Sergio Rodriguez, there's Gerald Henderson, there's Joel Embiid, there's uh, Ersan Ilyasova. These, these, none of these guys were on the team last year, you know? So there's no consistency year to year in the oh. lineup that would know Brett Brown. And Ilyasova, who the play was basically sort of run for yesterday, has only been with the team for five days. But yeah. it just like, it's so consistently bad and it's so consistent with, they turn the ball over every every possession for the last minute and a half of the game or the last two minutes of the game yeah. and it, it's it, five in a row yeah including a bull not including the charge call which was a good take and i hate charge calls and think they should be abolished yeah and i think yes i agree i agree with you on the charge thing and even though it was definitely a charge but i i with the way the rules sit now um yes. i you know it, it i agree with you in that sense i i guess my concern is not that he can't coach that i i don't really care whether he can coach that at this moment my concern is that 
given the the context of the last few years, not just the failures in late game situations, but the long stretches of losing at the beginning of the season, is that this team and he are in such a precarious position that I'm concerned that his failure in this specific thing, and maybe he's not good at it, I don't I don't know, but his failure in this specific thing to be able to get them to get a a good shot at least is is going to cost him his job because I really think that, you know, that if they start, if this starts off, they're 0-5 now, right? If they start off 0-10 or something, I think he's going to get fired. And I think yeah. I think that's harmful. And that's the problem is that I, I don't want to throw him, I don't want to, you know, go, uh, you know, fire and brimstone about how shitty he is at the end of games. But if he is shitty at the end of games, it's going to cost him his job. And I think it's going to make the season harder. And I just, I, I, I had hoped that he would have had a chance to really sort of go through this. And his, these failures are, are notable. And I think it's going to cost him his job. Yeah, I think that... I think three things. One, he has clearly shown that he's not great at ends of games. Maybe once he develops with actual players and he gets better as a coach when he knows his personnel more and has a more rock-solid base, then that will change. But I I think it's pretty inarguable for the past few years that he's not exceptionally creative at the ends of games with with his play calls. I think he's just trying to get a shot up at this point. Right. that that is one thought. The second thought, I think that he shouldn't be fired because of the the just many mediocre coaches in the NBA and the the fact that there's so few legitimately good ones that what's we're in the first year of hey, we have a franchise player now and possibly two. So let's let's build towards something. I feel like it doesn't make sense to to fire. It's not like we're trying to desperately to win games where like the Thunder with Scott Brooks, where it's like, hey, I don't think this guy's the guy to push us over the top. We got to get somebody else. We're not that, so I'd rather just keep the consistency of like Brett, who is uh, warm with the players and and the media, and everybody seems to like him and respect him and admire the work he's done over the past few years and and how he's managed to keep the team together. I I think that he shouldn't be fired. And three, I think he will be fired at some point in the next month or two. Yeah, and and by the way, when he gets fired, you know it, it means Jim O'Brien. It means that Jim O'Brien is the coach of the Sixers. Yes. That's what's, at least for the rest of the year. Now, and what I will say, former Sixers coach Jim O'Brien, who yeah. fucking sucks. He and, sucks. And he is at, he is as mediocre as any other coach in the league, and also is has humorless personality. Like players will not enjoy playing for him. Like I I, I just think that when people. When shit like this happens, end of game uh, demise, as we've seen over the past really decade, it's been it's always been this. It's not like they've ever ran like an illegitimate play. It's I haven't seen a play in since. I mean, maybe I watched an NBA Classic game of, of a Sixers game who ran a play, but I've never seen one in, in, in real time. But it's always get the coach out, get the coach out, get the coach out, and I think to what people just want a head to roll. And for me, it's like, to what end? I, I don't think that. I think you address that maybe in the offseason this year or, or this offseason or next offseason when, you, when you're starting to gear up for something. But I, I like the consistency, the continuity of Brett. And I think that he is a uh, an average coach so far. And if, he's, if he gets the, the uh, 
tenure of a longer coach, he I think he will be able to grow and build with something because the changeover and the transfer of power I think just takes it, it sets it sets you back and and takes longer than I think people realize. Yeah, look, this shit is hard, right? Especially with young players and all i heard you know look the 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 timberwolves have what one win the the pelicans who have um you know anthony davis on their team have zero wins i mean this but then i look at the lakers who have three right and uh the suns who have won a couple games i guess and and i do think that it's possible that in a in a really short view of this if they were to fire him and sort of send a shock through the team i think that a change at least in the very very short term a month uh could result in a um I don't know, an uptick of intensity, and maybe they win a couple of games because they made a change. I think that that happens in sports a lot when you make a change there. And it's hard for me to – there have been several people who have said – and I I think – I'm trying to think about it in a very reasonable way, that if you're really trying to turn – the page that the coach who has been the voice over this three years of legendary losing or whatever, that you need a different voice there. And I, I, I don't think that it's unreasonable to suggest that that could be a real thing. I just, I wonder if it's being made, if the decision, I, I don't think that the decision is be, would be made for the right reasons. And I think that I think that Brian Colangelo will do whatever he can to, uh, to make sure that he does not get blamed for this yeah. you know and his his uh his offseason moves or lack thereof or you know not trading noel or okafor when um when you know he should have or signing a guy who was supposed to start at point for this team who has been, who has had a mysterious injury that nobody knows where it came from uh in jared bayless it, like all these things that have happened um, that he will try to shirk that responsibility, and the way to do that will be to fire Brett Brown. Now, if they do it for the right re- – I, I think there are right reasons they could do it, but I don't think they'd be doing it for the right reasons, and I just hope they win a fucking game. But but what's gross is we're this is the same thing we've said for three years. God, I hope they just win a game, just like just win yeah. a game. they got to yeah. win a game or two. They, they, can't, they can't go 0 for November again. They can't do it. No, they can't, but – and hopefully they won't. And they've been, you know, that there were there were a couple incredibly bullshit foul calls towards the end of that game. That that uh, Kyrie foul on Henderson was not a foul, and LeBron yep. hit a three. The the possession after that, uh, I do think Gerald Henderson got fouled. He's clearly not uh, great at those at those situations. I, I I have faith in him as a mid range shooter, and he's shooting forty percent from deep right now, but. You don't. He's not the guy. You. I'd rather get Sergio the ball in that situation. I, I, it was frustrating that they didn't give him the ball. But um, uh, just to either like drive and kick or do or do something, just something creative. Whereas Henderson wasn't. You know, he gets tunnel vision and 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 it's not not unrealistic to think that the officials were just like swallowing their whistles at the end of that one. Yeah. Uh, and but and, like, and I don't. But by the way, as as your last gasp attempt, I actually would go. Henderson because I think he can get to the rim or hit a tougher shot than than Sergio can. But to your point, if your decision is do we get Sergio Rodriguez the ball or Gerald Henderson, um, chances are that's not ending up really well at the end. Look, I love Sergio and we'll talk about him. Yeah. I think he's playing great basketball and I, I thoroughly enjoy having him on this team. But um look, if 
Robert Covington wasn't shooting 16% from the field, they they win two games. They they're already two. If they if he has a couple more three, he is shooting 16% 16.7% from the field and 16.7% from three. That's not sustainable. Obviously, that's a that's a that's a a big problem. I think he will get back on track. Uh, if he doesn't, then he's not an NBA player. Uh, but that's you know. If one of those shots goes in, they win those games. You know, I think it's it boils down to bad luck. And when you're a bad team with bad players or young players or players that haven't played well together, you don't get good luck. It doesn't just come. It, right. That the you know we felt it for every every under five minutes game in the past three four years. It's been like what's going to go wrong? How do they lose this? And against the Magic. Uh, Covington had an incredible tip, and the ball goes. Joel Embiid falls down trying to get the ball. The ball goes directly to Serge Ibaka, like standing underneath the basket, out of nowhere. And TJ has to foul and flagrant foul, and they win. So, and like uh, Fournier, the possession before tied the game up on like a bank shot runner that like rolled in. Like all of these things, it's it's just the ball bounces your way when you're a better team. You don't get lucky when you're a bad team who doesn't know how to play together. And I think that eventually, eventually some breaks have to go the Sixers way. And I say breaks and I hope I don't mean break of a foot or a break of any other body part, but something good has to happen. And I think it's, it, it's probably going to cost Brett's Brett his job if it doesn't turn around quickly and something just doesn't finally like give. But I, a don't think he's a, an exceptional coach, but think he could become a very good coach because of the way that the players respond to him. And once he has uh, more continuity and, and talent on the roster, but uh, I think it's just it's 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 a, a lifetime of uh, misfortune is has happened to the Sixers in in the ends of games, and it's a uh, it's tough to watch, man. Uh, so why don't we bring the mood up and talk about something that's been fun to watch, and that is uh, Joel Embiid, uh, the pro- who is, by the way, being announced as the process uh, for the um, the uh, the Sixers right now. I love it. Yeah, which so. is which is great. And I was concerned that I think we've talked about this before. Concerned that in in an effort to distance themselves from Hinky and say like. Oh well, that was bad, and we're going to be so much better now. They w- they would start cr- they would further create or further divide this this rift in the fan base, where the people like that listen to this podcast and have been there for the last three years and thought and think they're heading the direction right direction, and the people that were you know think that it was a Ponzi scheme would end up being like clashing clans, but it just. Accepting the past and accepting the fact that your best player loves it, I think, is a much better uh, tact to take going forward and just saying, like, hey, we know why we're all here. He loves it. He's happy. He wants to be called the process. We'll fucking call him the process. We'll call him whatever the fuck he wants. We'll, we'll keep the hinky billboard up for a year if it, if it makes Joel happy. Like, that's what it has to be. So I'm glad that they're 
they're uh, leaning into that. Well, and the smart thing is, is that while he be he be while while he gets more popular, and he be like it almost blurs what it even means. Like the the, the original definition of what we're saying and where it came from, and and calling him that, I think will eventually sort of fade into oblivion because it because of that. So I think it was a smart move on their part for a number of ways. But by the way, like he is, I I. The blocks on LeBron last night and the yeah. uh, the three pointers. It's funny. I got a a, a text from uh, from noted uh, noted process lover and singer Amos Lee that his <laughs> his, his block uh, the block he made on LeBron to me is like the AI crossover on MJ. <laughs> oh my god, it is. I mean, it really it was an obvious goaltend, but I don't care. Yeah, I know. I don't, and I don't think like it was. It was so great that the the. Um, the I don't think the officials cared either because it was yeah. so great. And he yeah. blocked didn't he? He blocked LeBron like three times. It was yeah, yeah. it it was uh, and hitting the I I I think we had talked in a, a a podcast previous to the season whether his three pointer would be legit during the season and I didn't think it would be a real thing. But oh my goodness, is it a real thing? He's leading the NBA in three yeah. point percentage right now. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I, 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 I have faith in, the, in him taking worth and taking a lot of threes, and I, li- I, I love it. It's like a legitimate pick and pop weapon. He's using it to set up his drive. Uh, the next step is using it to set up other people's drives and finding cutters back door. He's not. He's passing the ball. I mean, he's passing the ball, but he still has a lot of work to go in that in that yeah. regard. But yeah, just recover finding a double team. And not not becoming just shot block guy on defense because occasionally he leaves his man or like hedges too far and they end up with like a wide open bucket. Um, it's fun to watch him learn because he gets so much better so quickly. Like he he makes a mistake and you see the next time he's just like corrected it. It's it's pretty impressive. He's I mean he's the guy. We've said he was the guy for a long time. And the fact that he – I think he's better than we thought he was. Yes, especially this quickly. There's especially no there's no way. I, I would have never in a million years he would have guessed. And I'll tell you, 24 minutes is like – it's not as much Embiid as I want, but it's a good amount of Embiid. You yes. feel like you're always – there's a big difference between the, the 24 minutes and the, the 16 minutes or whatever. It's, it's a monstrous difference in terms yes. of watching the game. It, it feels like he's either always playing or about to play. I think Brett is doing a good job staggering those minutes so he's not sitting for too long you know uh and and, uh, as well um with how good he is i and and that three-point shot being legitimate it almost and the foul shot like it's yeah oh i don't think i I don't think i seem like it's not like Rashawn hit a couple threes like in his preseason or whatever and we're like maybe he's the guy but his form was like kind of wonky always but Embiid is you know thanks to those normal white people that showed him how to shoot but it's it's like beautiful it looks real his foul shots come off like perfectly yeah i don't think i've seen him miss a foul shot i i don't in my head i know he's shooting 80 percent, but i don't think i've seen him miss one so he uh 
And, and it does make me wonder, and we'll never get a chance to see this, and I promise I'm not going to derail this by talking about Nerland's Noel, but his ability to hit threes and switch a little bit better on defense than I thought he would, like guard perimeter guys and, and yeah. be a little more nimble, makes me sort of sad that, you know, him and Nerland's on the floor together, while it's not a dream combination, is certainly something that they could have done for stretches and yeah. it been effective. And it's really, really sad that we're not going to get a chance to see it, I think. Yeah. Do you want to pivot to Nerland's right now? Um, well, I was going to, do you want to go? Th- I, I just like a few of the other guys, or let's pivot to Nerlens. It's just sort of a natural. It feels, like, thing. it feels like we'll get to those guys naturally. Yeah. Okay. Know? So the Nerlens first, the, the, the Nerlens rumor is that, that, uh, they were talking to Toronto and I think the rumor was Corey Joseph and some, uh, unexplained right. first round pick. Right. You know, where uh, e- yeah. even even if it was a normal Toronto first round pick is what, 24th or something or 23rd? Yeah, the, Toronto has their pick and uh, and the Clippers pick. So just. Yeah. So neither uh, one's going to be great, you know. Um, no. uh, and even though I think Corey Joseph is pretty decent, um, I you know, it, it does. A- anything they trade Nerlens Noel for is going to be selling low, and I think it's selling low on him, especially. A, um, but I, the whole thing you, j- just yeah. makes the whole thing makes me angry, and the whole yes. situation could have been avoided. And if there were real deals on the table for top five picks in you know right before the draft for either of these fucking guys, they should have just taken it then. And yeah. because their value is only going to go down. And honestly, watching Okafor over this first five games makes me explicitly sure that they cannot play him with Embiid for any meaningful stretch of time. And like the whole thing pisses me off, I think. Is yeah, I, I, the, the, the few minutes, there's, that was a lot of things in one sentence. Yeah, so. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, uh, I, first of all, I do want to see more Jaleel and Joel together. I, I, it was a disaster the first time, but because of Joel's outside game, uh, on both ends, I, I think it'd be interesting at least. Um, but that's, Besides the point, I'd much rather see Joel and Nerlens, uh, as you said. But um, we're, it's, a, it's just at a point where Nerlens is ostensibly gone from the team. There's uh, everything around seems like he's not coming back. This surgery was elective and kind of bullshitty. And it was a hundred percent kind of bull. I mean, he, yes. d- they did it for I, my, my look, I'm not, obviously I'm speaking based on what I think and believe and have been, uh, has been suggested, but like Nerland's had the surgery cause he wants an excuse. And I'm not saying this is a negative for Nerland's. He doesn't want to play for the Sixers. He doesn't want to hurt himself. He just wants to get through this year. And he had the surgery as an excuse not to play. You know, and this the Sixers have effectively admitted to that by the verbiage they use every time yeah. they talk about him. So yeah. continue. I mean, it's just, is it just going to be? I, I I can't see a team like I, the the Raptors thing seems like uh, a Sixers leak. It seems like like hey, this offers on the table, rest of the league, somebody has to beat it. Uh, it it just doesn't seem legit to me that some team would give up anything of value right now. For a disgruntled Nerlens who is not playing, he's not playing. He's not. Nobody knows. You can say like, "Oh, the the surgery is whatever," but like, I I, I have a tough time believing that teams are going to be are going to buy the idea that 
he's he's healthy or he's fine if there's something more to it it just seems it seems too messy and part of part of it is let's be honest i i tweeted this yesterday like we are always going to have to have trouble justifying to ourselves regardless of whether or not we believe that ownership did it or uh or just public pressure or whatever but the idea that hinky took over for uh is always always gonna haunt us i think and just in the way we talk about it obviously maybe he got public pressure to take him or or ownership pressure maybe he thought he could flip flip him immediately after but at a certain point like then you trade down trade down right then in the draft to six or seven draft stanley johnson or justice winslow and be locked and loaded with like a, a a good wing i mean there were so many options there that we liked better. Obviously, Hazonia is buried in Orlando, but I still like him as a as a potential player. Um, it it it's always going to bump us, and the fact that Colangelo has done a has done a, a no job of trading either one of them is partially his fault, also. But we can't disregard the fact that Sam was the one who took him and 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 created this problem of of three pretty s- straight up centers. Yeah, it's you know we'll. The the Okafor pick is the 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 stain on the Hinky record, and we'll yeah. we'll never know. And I'm not fully you know in on well he wanted Porzingis and ownership made him take Okafor. Maybe that's true, but I I don't know that that's true. I do think that you know his I don't think he would have gone into this season with both. Okafor and Noel I just think he would have been better at and you know and I'm not even trying to fault Colangelo for it because he's in a shitty situation because if he decides to sell low it looks worse than if Hinky owning it and just sort of doing what he wanted to do you're you're playing with somebody else's pieces and you're being judged on everything that happens I get that but but um but it, it but does. he's also going to be judged by what happens with Simmons and Embiid, so yes. he's benefiting it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm not. I'm not. I guess I'm not uh, excusing it or anything. I'm just sort of trying to paint the picture of yeah. of why it may have happened. I I just think that that there there is no way that that uh, Nerlens or Okafor or someone wasn't given the impression. Uh, to your point about him being injured in another team, thinking that he's not. I, I think that. He, there are probably enough league-wide undertones based on how much agents talk that he's probably yeah, that right. people know he's fine. I, I yeah, think everybody right. knows what's going on here, but the fact that they do puts the the Sixers in such shitty bargaining position that they're only going to wind up in good bargaining position if somebody gets hurt. So if if there ends up a team not on the Sixers but on a different team, yeah. a team that yeah. really needs a shot blocker or really needs to make a move, you know, I don't know, hopefully maybe Minnesota will will continue losing and get desperate or something and make a trade that they wouldn't have normally made. I don't know or you know, it's funny looking at Golden State, boy could they use Nerlens Noel, but boy yeah. There's no one that they would trade us for Nerlens Noel that would really change the trajectory of the. the. So I'm just mad that it's gotten. To I mean, this I, point. I would I would take Pat McCaw for Nerlens, pretty pretty clearly. Uh, I don't know. I haven't watched enough Pat McCaw, yeah. um, but it also feels like selling low on Nerlens to trade him for Pat. McCaw. Well, that's the thing is that we have to sort of get over that. I think I think we have to get over the idea of like, oh, he's Nerlens is great because we do think Nerlens is great and can be a legitimate like rock solid center. 
uh, defensive anchor on a good team. Not where he's uh, expected to do anything offensively, but in a DeAndre Jordan-type role where he can switch on he can I mean he can switch on once like he can switch all over the place which is and I, I guess I'd just rather sell low on Okafer just sell low, low on Okafer pay Nerlens and and like if you got to trade him you'll be able to trade him like I, I just there is even if he is your first big off the bench that ends up because remember there's no way Embiid's playing more than 30 minutes in any game this year there's no way yeah. it's happening so if they're both you can find a way to play those guys at the same time enough to get them enough minutes and I don't mind letting Rashawn Holmes and why didn't he play last night by the way I didn't see any reason why I, I, he didn't play to me thinking about it I think Rashawn they they are trying to advertise Jaleel as okay. As like, hey, what about this guy? Because the because the market for Nerlens is so thin that they're trying to advertise to Leo to get to get that. There. He, I, I love Rashawn. I think certainly his his defensive rebounding has been much better this year. You can tell he's like really making a concerted effort to be better at that. And uh, his mid range is, I think, if his if he if his mid range becomes like almost Spates esque, and then just like dunks everything on on pick and rolls, and then protects the rim and, and sort of has a better handle on, on where to be on defense and is just an average defensive rebounder and as good of an offensive rebounder as, as he was last year, that's a really good player. That's a really, really good player that deserves to get big money. And and if you just if you just trade Nerlens and Jaleel for picks or for a, a decent wing or whatever, I'm totally com- comfortable having Rashawn backing up a healthy Embiid, 100%. I guess I, I, the the world between I just I don't think we usually give enough credit to the 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 light years between defensive uh, performance. Maybe I don't I don't know what Rashawn Holmes will end up being, but yeah, but but Nerlens is at a, a significantly different level defensively. Totally, than totally, Holmes totally, is, totally. You know, but so. but the yeah the the argument being, I mean, I, I can see the argument of look how much the Magic paid Biombo to back up. Ibaka and Vucevic and Aaron Gordon to some extent. And does that feel worth it? That you're paying your your backup big that much money to just to just kind of sit there most of the game. Yeah. And I can see people's reservations. And I think I think basically the well is poisoned at this point with Nerlens here. Yeah, I think he I agree. doesn't want to be here. I think I, I, I would as much as I love the guy and would love him to succeed somewhere else. Some of this is on him in just ter- terms of being there? a professional. And, and Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I'm here. Can you hear me? Um, he's not handling himself in the in the, the perfect way. I can understand how, why he's pissed, but he's not you know, making himself more attractive as a, as a trade partner or whatever. Um, but I think, it's just, I think it's just over, and I'd, I'd like to capitalize on whatever, whatever value he still has here and just move on. I'm going to have a hard time getting over this one, I guess. Uh, the Nerlens thing, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time getting over it. I'm, I'm not over this one. So, uh, Hey, before we talk about the other guys, let's talk about um, uh, yeah. our, our, our sponsor, L.L. Pavorsky Jeweler, not just the official you know, jeweler of the Ricky, not just the official jeweler of, um, of our fans, but the official jeweler of the process, I think, L.L. Pavorsky is. He is, um, he is a, not only uh, our sponsor, but a, a good friend and a trusted 
um, a trusted partner that we've had and has been with us since the very, very beginning. We would not allow a sponsor that we, you know, that we didn't know, that we didn't trust, and we would not tell you to go somewhere for something important like an engagement ring or jewelry, which is a scary proposition anyway with somebody that we didn't trust. We trust and believe in Lee. He is, uh, we've had 18 different rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go there for engagement rings, countless others going there for other jewelry. And every time we get a note from that person saying what a great experience it was. And he does that because, you know, a lot of these jewelry stores, whether they are big ones in malls or they are, you know, on Jewelers Row or something, you walk in there and it's a, it's a high pressure environment. And, uh, you're, you know, you feel like you have to buy something before you walk out of there. And, uh, and I don't know if you get the sort of personal service that you're going to get with LL. You walk into LL Pavorsky Jewelers and it's a very, it's the, like the opposite of that. You know, it's, it's Lee and maybe one other salesperson in there. That's all that you're going to see in there. So, um, I, I thoroughly give him my endorsement for you to go there. If you want to buy an engagement ring from LL, you can always stop in and say hello, but I want you to make an appointment first so you can go in there. You'll be the only person he's dealing with. He'll have he'll get all of the necessary information and he'll just educate you. That's what the first one, the first appointment there is about. So you can get an appointment with Lee by calling uh, 215-627-2252. You can email him from uh, the website, llpavorsky.com, or you can just tweet at him at LL Pavorsky. And uh, like I said, you will be really, really glad you did. And you go in there for that first appointment. You don't have to walk out of there having bought anything, having promised to buy anything. Just uh, find out more. That's, I guess, all I would say. So again, the store is 707walnut or com, and is the official jeweler of the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. LL makes generous donations to the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley and Rain for every podcast. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, Spouses not provided, marry my son Jake. Hello, <laughs> Porsche Jones. I like that one a lot. That might be my favorite one there so far. Yeah. All right. Before we talk about the Jeremy yeah, trade. Yeah, he's, he's try, trying to find. Ooh, what do you got? Uh, before, well, before we talk about the Jeremy trade, I wanted to talk about the other players. Just sort of, we had mentioned them in passing. You had oh. mentioned Sergio. You had mentioned Covington. Um, you know, uh, Covington, I. You know, it's amazing for a guy who has only consistently hit threes for a very short period of time in the time that we've known him. I have an awful lot of confidence that he will be fine, and I still do. Defensively, he's been really, yeah. really good this year, and I just I just hope yes. that once everything is in position and all he has to do offensively is hit open threes or moderately contested threes, he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean his his steal and block numbers are are really good for his position as a as either a three or a small ball four. Um, he's just he's made a, a bunch of really nice plays getting his hands in passing lanes, and I think that's in, incredibly valuable. Like he's he just has to hit shots. It's I mean he's he's a better passer than he was last. Every every part of his game I think got better over this off season, except for the fact that he's missing every fucking shot and. It's most of his shots aren't contested. It, it seems like he's just sort of in his head, and his shot doesn't look as crisp as it did before. Like just the way he's shooting it, it seems like his arm angle is weirdly like it seems like he's short on almost everything. Yeah, 
And, and you can see it's short right when it comes out know. of his hands, by the way. You can see it's short as soon as it yeah. comes out of his hands. Yeah. That's how, how short it is. Yeah, and remember last year he started actually taking a couple of steps back from the three-point line, and it seemed to fix it for a little while. Um, yeah, I hope he's just I don't know. Sh- struggling he's, offensively, uh, or mentally, rather, with it, and it's not yeah. that he's not good. Well, he's, well he's certainly is. I, I just can't imagine that he goes from being that effective of an NBA three-point shooter to being this. Obviously, this is the lowest of the low. His his uh, PER is 2.5, which not great. No, no, it's not high. He's just got to hit shots. He's gotta, he's gotta, he'll hit shots. He'll be fine. Even if he has a bad year where he's shooting like 33 34% from deep, that's still like – seven more made threes than he has right now so uh i'm i think we said this last year i'm not super worried about him i think he'll get there but as the team like comes together and he just knows where his spots are he's just gotta hit shots and he'll hit shots he'll hit shots yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. Okay I'm I'm pretty confident in Covington. Uh, you were mentioning Sergio Rodriguez. Yo, Rodriguez. Two things I've noticed about Rodriguez. First of all, he is a fucking sick passer. Like a really, he yeah. he is a uh, a Euro player. A, you know what I mean? Like he looks like a YouTube video the way he he passes. I I, I sort of fear that his three pointer is a Euro three-pointer and not an NBA three-pointer. Um, it, he's banging him in from like 30 feet. He, he had w- just like monster shots. Yeah, but he's, when he's at the line, when he's like actually at the three-point <laughs> line in rhythm, they don't seem – he. he <laughs> I don't need it. It's, he needs a, a four-point line to yeah, shoot from. I love he, his three-pointer, the, the form looks a little Pavorsky-ish, which is it, – <laughs> it's a little bit of a push shot. So – but and I, I do – he cannot create without a – pick he's great in in open court like in um when they're running um yes. he's been very good on on pick and roll and it looks like Embiid is actually setting picks now which is great but i've been sure. very i've been very happy with him i i hope that the three starts to go down a little bit better though i love i love how he pushed the tempo i love how both him and tj just get the ball and go and try to find stuff in open court and i think once you have once you have some more comfort i think yesterday what was so cool is that like Stauskas and Hollis were both hitting shots and making plays. And if Covington would do the same, then that's like that's like a bunch of weapons for like a couple good passers and fast guys to just get the ball to before the defense sets. Like the Sixers, as you've seen at ends of games, aren't great once the defense is crazy set, aside from getting the ball to Embiid or Okafor and asking them to just make a play inside. So pushing it and getting getting something going before they get set is totally the way to go and I, I like how how TJ and and Sergio are doing that. Sergio's just fun, man. He's just fun to watch. He's bouncing, he's having a good time, he's making no look passes. There's just like a an element to him that that the Sixers haven't had in a point guard in my memory at all. I love how you sort of threw in that Stauskas is making plays. Yo yo, come on. I mean he, yeah, he's had a couple of good games. He's had a couple of games. He, he, his handle is stronger than it was. He had a nice defensive play on Kyrie last night, and Hollis had a nice one on LeBron, by the way. Hollis play, Hollis been playing good. True shooting percentage, 57.3. He's rebounding the ball. They're, they're, if Covington was having just a regular bad season so far, I think they'd have two wins. 
I'll tell you, now that we're not doing Canon versus Hollis, I actually yeah. – I like Hollis. I have no problem oh, with Hollis. Oh, there we go. No, uh, I, I've yeah. never really had a problem with Hollis. It was your problem with Canon um, that made me have a problem with Hollis. So I don't really have a problem I, with Hollis. I'm fine with Hollis on the team. I love it. I love it. Um, Hollis is, has one, one turnover on the year. So how about that? Taking care of the ball, hitting shots. What else do you need? Nothing, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Dario has been uh, uneven at best, I think. Yeah. Uh, he has some moments where you feel like he can get like – he's really good at getting 10-foot shots and like 6-foot shots. Um, like he can make a move and get that shot and get space. He doesn't seem to be hitting those shots. Uh, but until the three-pointer is a little bit more legit – I. He's he's going to be uneven like that. He's had moments, I guess. He hasn't been bad. He hasn't yeah. been horrible, but he hasn't been good. I think he's he's just finding his feet, and uh, you can see the hustle. You can see like the way he's going to move on a basketball court and how valuable he's going to be as like a guy who can create from the four spot. Um, right now he's he's forcing a couple things. It seems to me like there's a couple. He's taking a couple step backs where it's like we can get a better shot than that. That's yeah. not something I want early in the shot clock. I, I I like the idea that he can hit those shots and and sort of create for himself. But I don't think it's there yet to where I'd, I'm happy when he takes that kind of shot. So um, there's been a couple of plays where you're just when they're moving the ball and they're setting screens on each other and like you can find an open look that like it, it gives me hope that even without having to dump it into Embiid for every play. It gives me hope that they can create decent offense via passing, cutting, and and the shooting ability of a couple guys they have on the roster. Can I? I'd like to make this very important point about Gerald Henderson. Uh, once Bayless comes back, we're going to have two guys in the backcourt that look a lot alike. Yes, um, their their heads are very similar. Yes. Similar heads. And I hadn't realized how. And especially Gerald Henderson is a little more tiny than I thought he was. He like in stature, um, yeah. So they're it's you know it's going to be hard, especially on something like NBA 2K to tell those guys apart. I yeah. Think. And then well, and then well, Gerald Henderson is fine. I mean, he's going to hit. He's going to yeah. hit mid range shots. He's athletic enough to like find some dunks and and be backdoor. And yeah, you know, he's, he's sort of stick on stick on uh, like the best wing on the other team and be like, okay, this is fine. Yeah, like, he's, he's fine. He, he's going to be. He might be like the new. Uh, Mbamute veteran. I'm just frustrated by like thinking that they have to take all the shots because they're the veteran. I might that might be the new guy that I get frustrated with, but I'm glad that he's here just to be like uh, an adult and a, 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 an average two way wing. I think is he'll be fine. Yeah, and actually he's way more athletic than I had planned on. So oh I, yeah, he, he can get up. Yeah, I like watching. I'm actually I've been okay with Gerald Henderson so far. <laughs> Um, I, the only, uh, can I tell you, I just, I can't watch a whole year of fucking Okafor. I can't yeah. do it. I can't, he I shoots every fuck. He's no, like, here's another thing. That guy is in this. Uh, I've said, I said this last week. He is in the same shape he was last year. He is the, I, I do not want basketball players who do not have definition in their arms. And that guy does not have any. And he shoots Every fucking time he touches the ball, I've never seen anything like it. And it's not fun like Joel Embiid shooting every time he has the ball. It's annoying, and I don't want to watch him this year. Mike, I, I need them to trade Okafor. I just need them yeah. to trade Okafor. I need it. The thing, he he works. I, I like the idea of him 
in a Cantor-esque role bullying second units. I think that that is what he will have to be in the NBA to be successful. Instant offense, come in. But he's got to be able to pass, and he's got to be able to work within the flow of the offense and not just, like, passing the ball, everybody else clears out, and you just watch him, like, think about stuff for a while. It's not – it's – I hear how it's frustrating. There's a couple moves he made yesterday that I was like, oh, this is a silky, like, spin move or behind the back something where he's, like, laying it up. He, he's got a, like a – he's got an interesting rhythm that I think throws – defenders off but it's uh, when it's in with when it's within the flow of the offense i think it's like great you need that guy but then when it's just everybody shut down and watch him dribble and like palm the ball it's it's really lame it's, it's really incredible. hard to watch jake he's just he he's he really not since i would say uh arnett moultrie have i seen <laughs> a guy who sucks the life out of me like uh okafer does when i watch him play like no I love, yeah i love the arnett reference yeah um but I, I i also will say uh to his defense at some point a little bit that uh i think his defense has been better than last year not that it could really get much worse but i think i've seen him uh make an effort and uh stay with guys on the defensive end more than more than I had last year. He had, I think he had three blocks last night. He's he's obviously, you know, I'm not his biggest fan, but uh, you gotta find the little things. Good work trying to even me out there. Try, uh, I, trying, yeah. I wanna I wanna get to the grant trade because I wanna uh, I wanna get this up before the uh, the Eagles game starts so people can at least start listening to it. Uh, yeah. so I, here is my mixed feeling on the trade. I, I, I don't think if I had to bet, I would tell you that Jeremy Grant never ends up really being like good, good, actual good. Um, but that said, trading him for a year of Ersan Ilyasova like sort of pisses me off a little bit. Like I, I didn't, I didn't hate the trade because I don't think Jeremy Grant's. You know, we we are famous for saying if he develops a jump shot here, you know, the the truth is is like most guys don't develop the jump shot. It just it never comes for most guys, but who who can't shoot by the by you know, or at least some semblance of shooting. But uh for a a Ersan Eliasova who's the last year of his deal, who sort of like wears out his welcome wherever he plays, um and another big guy by the way, um you know, I don't know. I just I thought the trade was really sort of like lame. I think. Well, yeah. So if if Ilyasova was here for longer and there was already whispers of them trying to extend him or something, um, I'd be more frustrated. I'm fine with it being Jeremy had uh, after this season a year left on his deal. I think he would have been a hard guy to decide whether or not to pay, how much to pay him. Because again, I don't. I think he will have so much development left. Um, to just say, hey, we have a we have a loaded front court of bigs who kind of can't shoot, and say, all right, well, let's ship him out for a guy who can shoot and at least is a veteran and, and generally knows where to be. Jeremy, as much as I love him and loved him dunking on everybody, he's, you know, he also kind of disrupted the flow of the offense when he would get the ball on the perimeter and just trying to like dribble through people to dunk as hard as he can. Um, Ilyasova, as you've already seen in the past couple of games, is a guy that just like fills his lanes and like can hit shots on the outside. Like he's not going to do too much. I don't think he's great. I don't love him, but I think 
hey, let's get him to stretch four that can legitimately hit shots and be a normal veterany type. Um, and plus the pick. I, I Who knows what's going to happen in 2020, but um, I like the idea of just having more things in the in the pile to be like, okay, this could, this could come of something, something could come of this. Um, it's obviously not great, but, um, I, I think the, the alternative was, was Jeremy walking soon anyway. So wow. I, it's not an exciting trade. I think it's pretty vanilla, but, um, I think it'll, it'll make us better in the short term for Embiid and make him, make Embiid happier in terms of, uh, having someone close by him to play with. And, uh, and in the long term, I think they would have lost him anyway. And and the idea of a future pick is always is always cool with me. Well, paying him in two years, you know, I, I don't know if if he ends up being good, I'll gladly pay him. You know? Yeah, but there's no what I I honestly want to see him as like a small ball five. I want to see what he can do if as in in that role. And I love him in OKC, man. I I know you're not a Westbrook fan, but uh, I think it's just it's there's just a well. If, can, if you've already resigned yourself to the idea that it's it's Cavs Warriors, maybe the Spurs, uh, then the rest of the teams, all I want is for them to be fun and 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 have fun things happening. And he's already had a few incredible moments with the with the, the Thunder. Just like it makes me happy that he's happy on like a a pretty good team. Yeah, well, he can be George Lynch, like everybody on that uh, on that Thunder team just has to be happy you know, doing anything but shoot, you know? Yeah. And as long as you're happy with that, then you can have moments. Like, he'll have moments over there. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I hope they make the playoffs. I hope he gets to play some meaningful minutes. He's, he's Zach Lowe was talking about it with, I think, uh, what's his name? The the Cleveland guy who followed LeBron. All Brian Windhorst. Yeah, Windhorst. And uh, talking about if he's an NBA player or not. And I think he's definitely an NBA player. I, I think he's... Too athletic, too good at dunks and blocks, and too good at running the floor to be like to not be. I, I think the jumper obviously has a ways to go, but he's he's a legitimate problem on the defensive end, and uh, and I think now that he he doesn't he's not going to have to try to create so much by himself um, that he'll be able to just sort of stay in his lane and 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 do good things. He's he's too good at too many things to not be to not be an NBA player. So I, I don't, that's the thing is that people, you know, people look at guys like fringe guys in the Sixers and, and are like, oh, we don't know if that person's an NBA player. But like, look around the league. Dwayne Devin is playing major minutes on the Spurs. Uh, what's his name? KJ's playing big minutes on Houston. There's like, there's a bunch of guys, Jakar played for a while. Like, there's a bunch of guys that have gotten chances. Uh, Tim Frazier, they traded, they traded Brandon Davies for something. Casper Ware, there's guys that like, Hinky has accrued over the last three years. That everyone was like, "Who are these guys?" And then like they get signed by other teams, like play NBA basketball. So it, I fuck everybody, man. <laughs> Do you have anything else before I give you a jigsaw that I forget about yeah. anything? A couple things, three things. We can we can run them fast. Yeah. Um, we never talked about the seven streeter stuff. Oh um, I, yeah. Okay. I would just say like we don't know who the person was that turned her away. Uh, it could have been just some event planning person. It didn't. It might not have gone all the way up to ownership. Who knows? No, but no, no. Fact- uh, John Gonzalez pretty much uh, uh, um, tweeted who it was. It was a. Uh, 
I thought it was a pretty important person, not an owner, obviously, but somebody who was important. I'll, I'll look. You can you can say while I, I find out well, who it was. Either way, yeah. regardless of who it was, the fact that they listened to their players and listened to the community and came out and apologized and made amends for it, I think that's just like listening to people and having empathy for people's positions, regardless of how you feel about the Black Lives Matter movement, which I hope – Hopefully you're for it because it's just saying that they want to be treated equally. But her wearing a shirt saying we matter to me isn't an offensive thing in any way you slice it. So I'm glad that they apologized and made amends and are having her come back out in a nationally televised game. It's it, it, People are going to make mistakes. Organ, big organizations are going to make mistakes to try to save their ass and cover their ass. But the fact to, to come out and apologize and try to make it better, I think, is, is a very admirable thing that not enough people do. And so I'm, I'm happy that they did that. Any uh, thoughts? Uh, I, uh, I would agree with your point that I thought it was smart that they – I thought they did a good job of cleaning up a mess they created. I think if I was in their, um, in their shoes – oh, by the way, uh, John Gonzalez said, told by league sources that Jason Wiley, VP of content and integrated marketing for the Sixers, uh, booked seven. He previously worked for Bad Boy. He, uh, he made the decision to not have her perform. Um, and then he addressed the players. So there we go. So I agree that they cleaned up a mess. I think they, I think their mistake was thinking that, um, that having her not perform, like just letting her perform would have caused less grief than not letting her perform. I think though, the, the only thing that, uh, that my sort of halfway position on this and of, I am very much in favor of the, the movement and the, um, uh, the uh, the uh, awareness that has, has been created by the movement in and of itself. I think that the decision was made in that, like, I think the NBA in general with the anthem stuff has has done a good job of staying out of the discussion, uh, basically, of, of saying not not the discussion about the issue itself, but out of making a, a a controversial thing out of the anthem. And I think it's hurt the NFL on some level that they haven't been able to figure that out. The NBA has done a good job of it. I think the decision was probably made where they were like, look, we don't want to turn our game into into anything and we told you we didn't want that and that's what we don't want the decision the, the the mistake that they made is that nba fans are very like are younger and more socially conscious than most fans are and by this happening um they actually made a bigger deal out of it than they would have if they just let her sing in the first place so i think they they uh, made a good decision to clean it up and um, probably learned a lesson for next time yeah my broadest point is People should be allowed to peacefully protest. Right. That's, that's but, but but I, I do think there's a difference between being hired to do a job um, uh, and specifically whether – and it was leaked out um, at some point that like – that she had signed a thing that said she wouldn't have turned it into that, like that that political things were not – you know, a part of it. I think I, I agree. I think people should be allowed to unpeacefully protest. I think people should be allowed to stand in the middle of the street and protest and and stop trains. And uh, like, I think um, I think people should be allowed to cause a ruckus when they protest. But there is a um, 
a world in which you're you're running a business and like you don't want that part to be part of a protest and i understand I get it. yeah but uh, you got it but like you said the 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 way the the demographics of the league yes. indicate that like it was a mistake know your audience and and I agree. Thing. uh so i'm proud of them for handling that uh the d league draft happened oh man i don't okay. know if you pay attention to that the sixers drafted just for a quick second you're gonna love this the sixers drafted uh Grand Canyon University player Grandy Glaze. Yeah, but you... didn't they cut him? And then they cut him? Yeah. I, it's really, I don't know. I, I so want to know all the info. Uh, if you don't know, uh, Jerry Colangelo uh, is on the board at Grand Canyon University. Uh, ah. It's a nice, weird conflict of interest, but it's a, it's a D-League draft, so who really cares? But they did draft uh, Brennan Green, who uh, played uh, basketball at Kansas University with Joel Embiid. Um, very good shooter, also kind of a piece of shit, just like an, was an asshole to Bill Self, didn't get along. He's very talented, and if he like gets his shit together, I think he could absolutely be an NBA player. Also, him and Embiid are friends, so I like that they drafted Green for him. So, uh, legit, really, really legitimate shooter. So keep an eye on the sevens this year for that. Um, any thoughts on Colangelo stepping down from USA Basketball? Uh, well, I think that somebody, my guess, and I haven't heard anybody say this, is that there was an appearance of impropriety with his, uh, his connection to the Sixers and being in charge of USA basketball. I think there was, I think like, um, I, I think there is a, uh, a sort of a, a potential conflict of interest there. Uh, if he's going to be involved with the Sixers, that he's involved in picking, who will be the players on the uh, – and I think he's snaky anyway. So I think him stepping down uh, is a good idea. Now, I think it makes sense with Coach K moving on that somebody else be in charge of it. Uh, the other thing that happened with Colangelo this week is that he was on Sirius XM NBA radio and he said that he didn't uh, – by the process or what they had done in the last few years, but that said the Sixers are in great shape because of Embiid, Sarge, and Ben Simmons. So yeah, that, that it's a pretty it's a pretty cool cool way to justify things to yourself, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Whatever whatever makes you sleep at night is yeah. all good. Whatever makes you sleep at night when you go to bed at like seven thirty in the yeah. in the evening. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Do you have anything else? No, I just had, I had a, a jigsaw. If you wanted one, I was pretty proud of this one. Uh, let's do it. Okay. Play. I will play this game. Game play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, "How does it feel to win the ultimate game?" And he said, "If it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year?" All right, here you go. Uh, this was based actually on a. By the way, a quick plug for a, a podcast that I found this week called Reply All, which is awesome, awesome podcast. It is like. Um, What's the NPR one uh, that everyone likes? Uh, this uh, This American Life. It's sort yeah. of like a a, a a internet version of This American Life. I, it's a really fun podcast. But anyway, uh, one of their episodes inspired this. So here are your two choices. You are either always really, really thirsty, like super parched, like you're always thirsty. Now, your body is not dehydrated you're just always thirsty um so that is the first one you're always super thirsty the second option is you always have the sensation always that you have to pee 
Um, it's not mm. a 10 rush to the house pee, but it's like a six and a half or a seven um, half field like you have to do. Um, those are your two choices. Interesting. Always have to pee, and then never, even when I pee, I still feel like I have the have to pee yeah. feeling. Yep. Does, question, when I do pee, yep. does it feel like good? Does it feel like, ah, this feels nice that I'm getting this out, and then it just comes right back? Yes, or, yes, yes. You do have that quick feeling of relief. Okay. Versus being always thirsty. Yeah. Hmm, that is a good one. I like this one. Thank you, thank um, you. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with P. I'm gonna go with P. Any reason? The idea of always, uh, the idea of always going, always having your, uh, always being thirsty is tough because you're always, you're just, it, it'll affect the way that you talk and stuff. When I have to pee, I'm, I'm actually like more focused because I'm like trying to do this thing so I can then go pee. Like I can finish this. Like there's like a. It's like there's a uh, pressures on, which would I guess be, you know, maybe distracting if that was all all the time. Yeah. But uh, I I think I'm gonna. I, it just feels right. I, I like that I still get that relief feeling for a moment. Is mm-hmm. that's a good feeling? If I didn't have that, I might go the other way. But it's a close one. But I think I'm gonna go with P. Uh, I haven't decided. The 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 tricky part of this is that if you're always satisfying your thirst and you're not really actually dehydrated, you're always gonna have to pee anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the first choice sure. might lead to constant peeing. That's so, true. Yeah, I don't That's know. That's interesting. I, yeah. I didn't think about it that yeah. way. That's very interesting. All right. Um, wait. What? Tuesday is the election. Oh, yeah. Vote. Get out and vote. Please vote. Please Go vote. Go vote. Yep. Don't let – most of you guys are millennials. Uh, some of you are not. Of course, we have older listeners as well. We love them equally. Everyone should be voting. But just don't let the narrative after the election, regardless of what happens, be – Young people don't care. Young people didn't vote. Just don't let that happen. Yeah. Go fucking vote. Go wait in line. It's one day. It's a couple hours of your time. Listen to this podcast as you're voting. Listen to old podcasts that we did that are embarrassing for our takes while you're voting. Like, you'll feel a part of something. It's very important that you vote. Not voting is not a sign of protest. It's a sign of disappearance and you don't give a shit. And yeah, and really – uh, I think most people who don't vote are not protesting. They're just uh, being lazy. It's just an excuse to not not uh, go and do something that isn't like necessarily a fun process or whatever. You sh- you should go vote. Please vote. Please vote. Please vote. Um, because if this election doesn't end up how you want it, I might end up in a different country. You never know. <laughs> so <laughs> please vote. Please do research. Yeah. Just like listen to people. Try to be empathetic. All of that stuff. Yep. And don't touch anyone who doesn't want to be touched. Yes, also that. Yeah. That's a good rule, rule of thumb. We have a lot of, <laughs> we have a lot of, lot of lessons to give at the end. Yeah. And uh, let's get a Sixers win soon, okay? Let's do it. This has been the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. 707 Walnut in Philly. Always at com. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know Lickface. All right. See you, buddy. Thanks, man. Like I said,